throw left side, has the first down and more up the sideline, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now it's Texans All Access. Oh, yes, it is. And here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, the original, well, I guess it's not the original one, Johnny. We're here at NRG Stadium. John McClain joins us tonight. The original Hyundai Texans Radio Studio is right next door to us. But this is the second original one. Yeah, we kicked that one to the curb. Yeah. And we went into the bigger one, which we call the Didge. You hear some of us talk about the Didge. The Didge. And I can't tell you the last time that there was a show that emanated exactly a Texans All Access from this studio. I did my pregame hits last year, mm-hmm. 2020, from here. Right. But you, because you weren't Tier 2, yeah. you couldn't be down here. So we didn't do – we haven't done a Texans All Access show, I think, since March of 2020 from here. And since it's the desert, there are some football ops people around, but I've been uh, sneaking in here. I mean, I've been in here uh, working <laughs> diligently, and we join – or he joins us, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle right now, the general. Good evening, General. How's it going? Uh, it's going great for me, guys. I hope it is for you as well. It is, certainly. So I saw your tweets last night about the NHL celebration, the Stanley Cup won by Tampa Bay again, and you were raving about that celebration. I agree with you. The hockey thing is is really unique. The Stanley Cup, John, is that the best trophy? Just in terms of the beauty of the trophy, the way the trophy is regarded, you were talking about guys skating around the ice with it. Is that the best one in pro sports? Uh, By far. You know, it's got... It's got their names on it, the names of all champions. It's uh, it's got it's such you know the Stanley Cup. When you talk about what that is, people know that's hockey. And one of the things I like, it's just once the game is over and the series is over, as all series, the players line up and shake hands. I think that's very cool. We don't see that in any other sport. They just walk off the field or the court, and then sometimes the loser stays around to watch the celebration to probably remind them of what it could be like next year. And then when those players skate around the ice, and especially when they're at home, as Tampa was last night, it means so much more than it does when you're on the road. And plus last year, of course, there were no fans when uh, the, the Lightning won the cup. And so when the players skate around and the family comes out and joins them, they all pile on each other for a picture. It's just extra special. And then the fact that all the players get to take the cup somewhere. Uh, when Detroit won one year, the Russians on the team took it back to Red Square and had their pictures made. I remember one time a member of the Houston Arrows minor league team played on a cup champion and he bought, brought the Stanley Cup to the studio. I was not there, but everybody wanted their picture made with the Stanley Cup. And so you just don't see people running around with a Lombardi trophy and taking it somewhere, and I don't even know what they give in the other sports, but uh, it's extra special. I always tell people, even if you don't like hockey, watch the post-game celebration, and last night was stupendous, as they always are. Well, the one thing I don't like about the Stanley Cup trophy is, General, you said the names are on there. But some of them are misspelled. It drives me crazy, and I know that because I watch NHL Network, which leads me to this question, General, because you got me thinking about this. 
what is, and this is your opinion, what's your favorite tradition in sports, college or NFL? Is the handshake line? Is it the Stanley Cup? Is there something else in the NFL? What is your favorite tradition, college and or NFL? Oh, Stanley Cup by far. There's nothing by in far? NFL compares to anything in the Stanley Cup. And uh, I've never seen anything in baseball or basketball or college football that comes close to the ceremony that they have for the champion. Well, they said that, I guess it was the Lightning that tweeted at Brady that Brady would oh, be able yeah. to throw the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and Brady said tequila makes everything lighter or something. Yeah, not that light. You can't throw that thing, huh? No way. <laughs> no way. That thing is not. That thing is, I think it's like 35 pounds. It takes Ooh. the players when they're skating around. Nobody can hold it up with one hand. They have to hold it up with two hands, full extension, as they hoist it and skate around with this huge smile on their face. And it, you know, it begins with a handshake, and then it, then the team picture, then the presentation of the cup, and and the long season, and then the fact they let them take it wherever they want to take it. I just think that is so cool. General, we're talking about Tampa Bay. The Bucks are doing something in 2021 that we've rarely seen in the free agency era. They're bringing nearly everybody, if not everybody, back for 2021. And it feels as if, yeah, they've got to be the favorite. They bring everybody back. They're coming off a championship. They kind of hit their stride in the playoffs. Brady looks like he's still, you know, he's still got it. He looks like he's in mid-30s as opposed to mid-40s. I don't want to say it's an experiment in some sense, but it kind of is because we haven't seen teams bring any group of players like this where they're bringing almost all the starters, if not all of them, back. How do you look at the Buccaneers and do you think this is the right thing to bring everybody back off a team that won a championship last year? They have every starter back. And uh, if you ask me to take the Bucks to the field, I would take the field. I don't think they're going to win another championship. Nobody repeated since the Patriots and Brady, what was it, after oh three and four? Yeah, oh, three four and four. Four and five. I, three, four, no, three and it's four. hard, hard to do, and there's so many good teams out there. They were a wild-card team last year that got hot in the playoffs and played great. But there is something about uh, winning a championship, and I think it's probably subconscious, that either – you don't put the same thing into winning or the opponents put more into beating you. But I think that's one reason we don't have more. And the team that would have been the most likely to be a repeat champion would have been the Patriots with Brady and Belichick, and they could never do it. And uh, so, no, I don't think the, I think they'll win their division this year. They'll unseat the Saints, but I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl, something that always has blown me away. You would think the hungriest team in the league would be the one that won this, that lost the Super Bowl. But the yeah. Super Bowl loser uh, usually bombs out the next year. If you take the Patriots out of the equation, most of those teams look at San Francisco last year. And, and I don't know why that is. You would think they would be more motivated than any team in the league to get that close, to get that whiff of it and not come back and be the best team. But rarely does that happen. You know, it's funny because if the Bucks have the kind of regular season or the bulk of the regular season they had last year, the stuff that will be written about them is, oh, they can't repeat, they can't yeah. repeat. Because remember, they were struggling sort of for a good chunk of the season. 
They got it going. As John McClain said, they were a wild card team. The rest is history. General, you mentioned they're likely to repeat as division winners. And, yes, there's no Drew Brees in New Orleans right now. Who's the likeliest to finish second in that division, Atlanta, Carolina, or New Orleans? Well, I think New Orleans because they have more stability. And I believe there's a good chance Jameis Winston will be comeback player of the year. I think playing with Drew Brees, playing for Sean Payton the second season, will help him uh, rebound from the mistakes he made in his last season with the Buccaneers. You know, he threw for 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, also threw 30 interceptions. And it won't surprise me at all if he's a starter, he stays the starter, and they finish second, they get in the playoffs, and he plays really, really well. And then I think Carolina's destined for last. I think there's a good chance Texans will beat Carolina and start the season two and one. And because I don't think the Panthers are anything special, uh, with Sam Darnold and, uh, in Matt Rule's second season, they may be better than they were last year, especially with Christian McCaffrey back. And we all know what kind of game he had here the last time he appeared at NRG Stadium and helped the Panthers. Uh, beat the Texans. So I do think, though, when they come in here, the Texans, there's three teams I think the Texans have the best chance to beat all here. That would be Jacksonville in the opener, uh, Carolina in the nationally televised game, and then the Jets. And then thing is, you never know. They might win the game. I was talking this week on Sports Radio 610 with Wade, Wade Smith about you know, nobody talks about their special teams being so good, but they were already good. Now they should be even better. You got the greatest snapper in history. You got a punter. You have a three-year contract to Cam Johnston, and you have uh, Cammy Fairbairn back for another year as the kicker. You're already really, really good in coverage and, and should be even better. And now, of course, the key is Andre Roberts, who's a Pro Bowl return guy, finding a way to get better field position. And that's why Nick Casario signed him. Wade said, I think special teams will win a couple of games. And I said, well, if, that do, if they do, then that means they're going to be playing games close enough for the special teams to provide a difference. And I think they're going to be fun to watch because right now, if you were to ask me what's stronger, offense, defense, or special teams, I would say special teams because we know what they have. We don't know what they have on offense and defense because there's so many starting jobs up for grabs. It should make training camp pretty uh, interesting to say the least. Yep. General, one of the yep. one of the one of the uh, teams on the Texas schedule this year, every four years it happens, is the San Francisco 49ers. And I bet I was listening to the Flying Coach podcast with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and which is great by it's the a way. great podcast i mean it is a really really good listen and i just listened to shannon talking he's very very impressive what are your thoughts about him as a head coach though his overall record is like 40 like 43 44 percent it's i mean a shade above what mike singletary did and mike singletary got run out of town a former uh baylor star you know well what do you think about him as a head coach? Those years, though, have been dominated by injuries. The one year everybody stayed healthy, he led him to the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts about Kyle Shanahan as not only a play caller but as a head coach? Well, there's one big difference in him and Mike Singletary. He went to the Super Bowl and yeah, uh, won an NFC championship game over Green Bay, and that gets you a lot of uh, a lot of love, and it got him an extension. 
he already had a six-year contract in which he was given total control over personnel. He hired the general manager, John Lynch. They worked well together. Last year is well-documented all the injuries. Now, Kyle traded three draft three first-round picks for a chance to draft Trey Lance. If they, if they play Lance, you're throwing in a towel. You play a rookie quarterback, you're throwing in a towel on the season. Nobody will say that, but it's a fact. They got a better chance to win with Garoppolo if he's healthy. But when you give up that much for a rookie who played one game last year because he didn't have a chance to play anymore, he should need time to develop. But you know Shanahan will be itching to get him on the field. And that's why I don't think they're a playoff contender or, of course, a Super Bowl contender because he's casting his lot with a new quarterback after they had made that trade for Garoppolo and he helped him go to the Super Bowl. And then in the Super Bowl, the playoffs, Kyle's play calling was ultra conservative. And everybody uses that as an example of what he thought about Garoppolo. Then Garoppolo got hurt a lot last year. So Kyle's a good offensive coach. He's a good play caller. He's very popular. You know, he gets great publicity. He's like, he mm-hmm. is, he and John Lynch are like Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard won one playoff game. And and Kyle and John have been to the Super Bowl. But everybody likes them in the media. Everybody praises them in the media. I heard uh, a longtime NFL player on ESPN last month talk about what a fantastic, phenomenal coach Frank Reich is. Now, I think Frank's a good coach. But to me, if you're a phenomenal coach, you should win one one playoff game. And so if the media likes you and is constantly writing, broadcasting, saying, tweeting good things about you, people are going to believe it. Where if you if you constantly say uh, are doing everything against the media, they're going to be constantly ripping you. And that's what people are going to think about you. But those two organizations they go out of their way to get positive pub, and they do. And I like Reich and Shanahan. I'd love to see those guys in the Super Bowl. I've known Kyle just like you guys for a long time, and uh, and I wish him the very best. He has so many people from the Texans in his organization. I was I thought it was very cool when they got to go to the Super Bowl, and uh, so now D'Amico Ryan's is their new defensive coordinator. Uh, I hope when the Texans play. That last game out there, they're all relatively healthy, and it's going to be fun seeing the Texans go against them again at Levi Stadium. Yeah, I think when you bring up Reich and Ballard, they're likable. I think Shanahan's likable. Lynch is likable. Likeability is key here. And it's not like Shanahan Shanahan isn't Chris Rock or anything in the press conferences, but he's likable for some reason, and it's hard to define sometimes. Uh, He's had one winning season out of four. The Niners, as an organization, are so highly regarded – for all the past stuff, right. one winning season in the last eight seasons, but it was a Super Bowl appearance, and that goes a long way, so I get it. Former receivers coach, by the way, Kyle Shanahan, and offensive coordinator of the Texans. Back to the Texans and the receiver position, General. What about this guy? I want to put a spotlight on a player for you right here. Kiki QT, and I'm writing an article about the Texans' offense for the annual uh, pub we put out prior to training camp, and I thought, well, QT, you know, he kind of came on a little bit at the end, didn't he? In the last five games, he averaged five catches and 72 yards per game, which isn't like blowing the doors off anybody, but that's pretty solid stuff right there. Those are solid numbers. 
And it seemed like he found a rhythm, and I know who was throwing him the football and everything, but what do you think of his prospects, especially with Randall Cobb coming back now healthy and playing a similar position? They're different kinds of players, but they both play out of the slot in large part. What do you think of QT's prospects here? Well, Cobb, who missed the last six games, you know, he can play anywhere. He's a good leader like Brandon Cooks is, but it's too bad he wasn't available at the end of the year when Will Fuller was suspended for those last five games. And QT did a tremendous job of stepping in for Cobb and Fuller. And, and when when Watson was not going to Cooks or, say, Jordan Akins, he was throwing the ball to QT and Chad Hansen. And I thought QT did a terrific job. And the reason that he struggled under Bill O'Brien is he had a penchant for being in Bill's doghouse and making mental mistakes in practice or a game. Uh, that you don't just go in for a week and get out. Uh, remember that time when we were in Green Bay and the Texans played the preseason game against the Packers after the joint practices and Kiki got hurt. And I'm sitting mm. there in the press box and Aaron Wilson goes, uh-oh. I said, what? He said, Kiki's mad. He's gone on social media in the locker room and he's mad that Fans are calling him injury prone, so he's given his injury and what the prognosis is. I think it was a high ankle sprain. And we're like, oh my God, Waylo Brian hears about that. He never, he'll keep getting Alpo all season. And so I remember asking O'Brien <laughs> afterwards about QT telling what his injury is. Bill didn't, what, what's a darker shade of red? Maroon. It was, yeah. it was maroon. He was so mad. And, uh, so he, and then last year, Bill was fired. Romeo was easier to, for the more of a player's coach and he was able to capitalize on it. Obviously, they didn't think enough of him to give him a contract extension. It's the last year of his contract. And if he makes his team great, if he doesn't, somebody else will pick him up. And the team I think would be the smartest to pick him up would be the Colts because he's had 200-yard games against the Colts. And uh, so I hope he succeeds. He can't, as you saw last year, with Cooks's injury and with the suspension of Fuller, you can't have enough receivers, whether they play inside or outside in QT. If he makes the team, you know, he could be a valuable uh, uh, guy off the bench. I think he would be off the bench. And if he doesn't, you know, you wish him the best with someone else. General, we get an email each and every morning called Daily Clips, and it comes to all of our, our inboxes for the Houston Texans, and it's basically a link to all the different articles that include something about the Texans. And sometimes I look at it, sometimes I don't, and I just happened to pop it open the other <laughs> Thanks day. Thanks a lot, and, John. No, because I already stuff, know what – no, 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 it's not. I you're, I already, already all your stuff. No, not your, we read not your, your stuff. stuff. <laughs> not your stuff. I we read your stuff, General. This is this is these are articles from all over the place. And the reason yeah. I bring it up is there was an article from the Oregonian about Brandon Cooks, and the headline of the article caught my attention. It was, "Could the Texans trade Brandon Cooks?" And I was like, "Okay, where is this coming from?" <laughs> and so the article mentions. It has a link, and so when I tried to click the link of where they were getting this information from, it just said Bleacher Report, so God only knows where oh, it's coming geez. from. But do you think there's any possibility at all that Brandon Cooks would get moved prior to the season? You guys see Nick Casario. Does he have stupid written across his forehead? <laughs> I just want to hear ma- you say I it. Maybe I miss it because when I see him at practice, he's wearing a cap. 
But when he has it off, does he have stupid written across no, the forehead? No, I can verify he does, he not, does not have okay. that. He does they not. Have their be- Why in the world would they trade their best offensive weapon who has a contract that's favorable, who's coming off one of the best seasons of his career? That would be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Another website has Mark Ingram most likely takes him to be cut. Now, how would anybody know that? When a guy's never carried the ball here, he's never had a chance to put on pads here, he's never had a chance to show him he can catch and all that, to speculate on who might not make the team. If they had, say, uh, 10 new guys, 12 new guys normally, and you had a lot of veterans coming back that we had seen in this system, it would have been much easier and more accurate to do this this time last year and think, okay, which one of these guys has the best chance to be cut? I would never pick somebody that's new to the team and new to the system and new to the coaches and new to their teammates. I would have picked a guy who'd done something the previous year. But to do it with Ingram, to me, was just asinine. And so the thing about Cooks, people have to generate uh, attention and interest all the time, but especially in this downtime. And thank goodness I do not do that. People either read me, listen to me, watch me, whatever. If they like me, great. If they don't, I got no problem with it. But just manufacturing stuff is just just blows me away sometimes. I think it's, you know, when you talk about most likely to be cut and those kinds of things, and we can get into these training camp position group situations as we get closer to camp, but what I was just mentioning the receivers. When I look at that group, General, my goodness, it is so hard to predict. If you keep five, I could probably name four but, you know, Collins and Cobb and Cooks and maybe QT, but is that really going to stand? And then you get a fifth and go ahead and pick the guy because it's going to be somebody who can return, mm-hmm. right? So it could be Roberts. But wait a minute. They've got several of those guys, and they have interesting players. You know, you want to see what Conley can do. They have so many different options there. Uh, I think that position group is really intriguing when you think about who could ultimately make it. Well, first of all, if you would ask me, if I was asked that question, which Texan could be in most danger of being cut, being cut, I would take a guy like, say, QT, with all this new competition coming in, with Randall Cobb mm. coming back. I might say Randall Cobb in case QT looked really good and was the number one slot guy. But uh, wide receiver is so tough anyway to make that transition. The the thing I'm most interested in is, is Nico Collins, but he opted out last season. It's hard enough when you play – your last season i'm eager to see all players who opted out who are rookies who didn't play last year and who are veterans who didn't play last year like marcus cannon marcus cannon didn't play last year and he has scope on his knee which makes me think he's not going to beat out titus howard at right tackle so there's a, a lot of things to to keep up with that are going on with this team i've never seen anything like it. And I've told people I used, to, I used the word fascinating because there's so many players at so many positions who are new. Let me ask you guys a question mm-hmm. for both of you. I'm doing a column on Sunday. I was asked on Sports Radio 610 twice this week about the areas that I thought was the most concerning. And it's not because of the players. It's because I have no clue who's going to be the four starters in the defensive line. And that's what I'm writing about Sunday. I can tell you, offensive linemen at most positions, one wide, two wide receivers, maybe my opinion at running back, I've got no problem, quarterback. But you ask me about the defensive line, I'm clueless. So I'll ask you guys, 
who do you think the four starters are going to be? General, I don't know if I can answer that question, but I'll say this and I'll say it with 100% certainty, and I, I will take it to the bank. And I was watching a game today, so I, I say this with all 100% certainty. I don't know who the four starters will be, but the defensive line for the Texans this year will be much better, and it won't even be close than last year's group. Really? Boy, yes. I hope you didn't walk out on a limb on that one, considering the defense <laughs> was pathetic, and they were the last in the league against the run by a long shot, and they couldn't stop a clock, and the fact they had the second-fewest turnovers in the NFL since 1980. I know the defensive line's going to be better. You know, they've got some guys – that's played a lot last year. They got some guys who were hurt last year that played the year before. They got some guys on one year prove it contracts. They got guys making the move from three, four outside linebacker to defensive end. Bobby King, the defensive line coach and Lovey Smith, the defensive coordinator. They're going to have some tough decisions to make when it comes down to playing time. And this is a year I wish there were four preseason games. I've never said that in my life. But I think for a team with so many new players and so many new coaches learning each other, this would be a good time to do it. And I'm fascinated because it's got to start up front. And one thing, the one statistic, I will bet anybody any amount of money right now that will be better, and I'm not saying they're going to be better against the run. I think they will be is they will have more than nine turnovers. They will force more than nine turnovers. Lovey Smith, I'm guessing if Lovey Smith coached the defense at NFL that had only nine turnovers, he might just retire because Lovey goes to sleep at night thinking about ways to get the ball out. First thing he wakes up in the morning after he says hello to Marianne, he says he starts thinking about how to get the ball out. And so I think that is going to be – the biggest improvement on this team is is takeaways. Even in that first practice we all saw that was barely a practice, I mean, they were just doing early stuff before they really got going with the OTAs. They were working on a turnover drill. And by the way, it's it's not turnovers, they're takeaways. Takeaways, right. Yeah, I love you to remind you that. And by the way, General, uh, Shaq Lawson and Malik Collins will play a significant role. Ross Blacklock has to step up. Has to step up, and I think Charles who will play outside. What about Big Z? Big Z. Big Z is going to be a part of this because he's the biggest guy they've got, and they do need a little bit of size, and he's a good athlete. So I think they're going to have depth. I think they're going to have depth up front. And so when you say starter, sometimes general, I kind of bristle at that, like, eh, starter, especially in the defensive line. I just think those guys are going to play significant roles on it. I think Amenahu is going to be a he's going to be a factor. Outside on rundowns, inside on pass downs, and I think that's where they're really going to find um, some success. That he's got to take that step to be a dual threat inside outside guy. General, what do you have in the chronicle for us? Well, I thought you guys could help me determine who the four starters are, but you obviously have no interest. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'll have to figure it out on my own. That's Johnny my just said. Story. Johnny yeah. just said who's going to play. He didn't say squad, except he didn't like uh, to talk about four starters. And uh, that's all I do. I want to know who the starters are going to be. And like a minute who it's 280 playing outside in a 4-3, that's rare to have a guy that heavy playing outside in a base 4-3. And uh, they got some smaller, faster guys. And But you're right, they got to stop the run. So I'm going to try to figure it out by Sunday with no help from you guys. I may put that in there. And yeah. I'll have that for Sunday. I have podcasts up, and I still – Wrote a column last Sunday that's on Texas Sports Nation about Lovey Smith and Miles Smith, his son, and their 
relationship and what people think about him. Guys, thank you very much. It's always fun to be on with you. John, it's good to hear from you again. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you. Absolutely, General. Thank you so much, General. And please mention us. There's no such thing as bad publicity for us. No, all right, so uh, coming up. I'm going to defend that Charles Amenahu on the outside thing. Okay. I'm going def- to defend that. I, oh, I, I get what I get oh, what. Boy. I get what the general well, the, saying. I would I'm imagine the, the other end would be a little bit more of a svelte pass rusher type. Maybe and again, this this goes to my point of the four starters aren't going to be the ones that play at those spots. Right. All it's downs. first down against the Jags. You have a Menahu outside now. Obvious pass rushing maybe slides in. Right, you get another uh, svelter. For lack of, of a better word, the best players in the or league is Jonathan Allen with with the Washington Football Team. That's exactly what he does. He plays outside on the first two downs or first down, right. and then he bumps inside and he rushes from inside. And we've seen Chuck do that. But what we don't want is we don't want Chuck inside on rundowns. He doesn't want to do that. Right. He's not really good right. at doing that inside. But you put him outside. Now you set a strong edge, yeah. against the run game. Okay, and then if he's got okay, it's play action. He's rushing from the edge. Yeah, great. Let's go. I can't. I I can live with that. I don't I'll care. Set up for that. He's okay. got thirty-seven inch arms. I'm calling up Lovey Smith right, right. now. Come, All right, go. let's uh, do, do more likely to happen coming up next on Texans Radio. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. Better sleep means a better you. That's why Mattress Firm made the Rest Assured Promise, featuring the best mattresses from America's best brands. For a limited time, save $500 on Tempur-Breeze mattresses and sleep 8 degrees cooler. Plus, get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Our sleep experts have over 200 hours of training, so you can rest assured we'll find the right bed for you. Only at Mattress Firm, America's number one Tempur-Pedic retailer. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Don't miss a moment of your Houston Texans 365 days a year. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. Oh, it's so nice to be back at the Hyundai Texans radio studio here at NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we are just minutes away from training camp. All right, I'm lying. It's not really... You know, there are a lot of minutes. How about that? A lot of minutes. There are a lot of minutes, but it's um, It's it's a much smaller number than it was three weeks ago. I just say it this way. We are in the month of training camp. We are. And it's three weeks away. It's three weeks away, Johnny. And then we'll be at practice. I can make that. We can make that. Yeah. Yeah, we can handle that. That's makeable. Trying to decide where we're going to put our our Hyundai Texans radio studio at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Where is that going to go? Is it going to be elevated? Is it going to be where it was before? These are things that we're going over right now. I need to talk to you about that, but we're not going to have that meeting right now. You know what we are going to do? We are going to play More Likely to Happen, and Eddie Penn is on the switch for the More Likely to Happen voicer. So let's have our first one. More Likely to Happen. Okay, Johnny, more likely to be the Green Bay quarterback in 2022. Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, or somebody else? Jordan Love. Okay. And I, there's one guy that I go to on this. That's Andrew Brandt. Andrew Brandt writes for SI.com. He's a former lawyer. He was instrumental in signing. I don't know if he was the cap guy for the Packers. He was in their, their front office right. when Rodgers got signed. I know he signed Rodgers to contracts when he was there. And he has said all along, Rodgers will play for the Packers. There will be some contract manipulation, however you want to call it. 
in 2021, and then the Packers will trade him for 2022. Mm-hmm. And I tend to think that's the right. That's probably the right. The right move. Now, if he has another MVP season, are we back? Where, are we back in the same spot? But I think that's the way it goes. And then at that point, Jordan Love gets this opportunity. He will have sat for two years. He will have apprenticed under Rodgers. Rodgers moves on where he goes. Who knows? Broncos have been off rumored, but who knows? Who's going to need quarterback at some point? And I think Jordan Love becomes that guy. I think. I think Andrew Brandt, that was kind of my feeling all along. I didn't know too much about the, like, I didn't think too much about 2022. I just kind of felt like in 2021, would we see Rodgers for the Packers? And I feel that's the case. Even though he was very wishy washy, we'll see, won't we? And he did the golf right. thing when he was asked about it when they're all mic'd up and he kind of sidestepped that a little bit. I think they sit down, they get it were just enough for him to play in 2021, and it's kind of the magical mystery tour. He goes on a 2021 play for the Packers, and then he's somewhere else in 2022. They have a good season. I think it's going to be hard to turn the reins over to Jordan Love, a guy who's never played. Now, I know they True. did this with Aaron Rodgers, but his record the first year out, 2008, 6-10. and 10. That was not great. That was not fun for them. Right. All right, next one, please. More likely to happen. More likely to happen as far as Texans getting into the 2021 Pro Bowl. Zach Cunningham and Brandon Cooks, just the duo, mm-hmm. or more, or different. Those are the, when you said, there was an article on NFL.com today that said making the Pro Bowl for the first time, mm-hmm. and it mentioned Brandon Cooks. Yep. And they had a candidate for every team, mm-hmm. and Brandon Cooks was the candidate now, I think Zach's made it as an alternate. Yeah, he's, gotten, but, he's gotten named for sure. Yeah, uh, i got to look that up. Yeah, but I don't know if he's gotten named. I mean, he led the league in tackles. That's got to yeah, count for but something. Did, but he didn't He didn't get named last year, though. Uh, well, because we didn't have alternates last year. Yeah, so, he's, he's been an alternate uh, mm-hmm. at least once, maybe twice. So I don't know if that counts, whatever. I think those would be the two. I think if you went more... I think Laramie's gotten to a point where this is going to call sounded bad, mm-hmm. but if Laramie doesn't even play up to a high standard, up to his standard, I think he's gotten enough credibility now that his to name will get be in, in the mix mm-hmm. because he's made it the last couple of years. I think he's played well the last couple of years, and he's gotten in. I think he's kind of earned that that respect. And I don't think his play is going to drop off significantly that um, there are going to be videos on Twitter showing how poorly he's playing, et cetera. I think people will just accept the fact that, oh, yeah, you know, Laramie Tunt's okay. Yeah, he's playing well, regardless of what the Texans do or not. So I think it could end up being more. I might say Laramie and Zach before I would say Brandon and Zach. I'll go Laramie and Zach. I just think receiver in the AFC. Julio Jones is now over here. Oh. You got Julio, you got A.J., you got, got Cortland Hill. Sutton back. You got Jerry Judy. You got Tyreek. Uh, Chase Claypool, if he has the year yep. that he had last year. I mean, you got Nikhil Harry with the uh, – okay, wait. Yeah, no, Bad example. But there are a lot of really good receivers in, in this conference. It's going to be mm-hmm. very, very difficult. And you know somebody's going to step up from a team. It's Stephon Diggs. I mean, you can take Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. That was the first guy I thought of was Diggs. But take those right. two guys and pff, lock it away. 
All right, let's go here. More likely to happen. Next one. More likely to happen. More likely to happen, Johnny. Jacksonville, four wins or Tennessee, 11 wins. More likely to happen. The Jaguars with four victories, Tennessee with 11 wins in a 17-game season, of course. I think Tennessee with 11. Wow. I think Tennessee giving them a lot of credit here. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's 11 and 6. It's just I, so weird. I hate that about the 17th game. I know. Gotta, I love the our... way it's been. It's been so neat and clean and wonderful because... over the years. But I do like having the extra game because I want to call an extra game of, of meaningful regular season football. However, it's just odd with these odd numbers. But you think of when you hear 11 wins, mm-hmm. the automatic thought is, oh, 11 and 5. I know it's one game, but the difference in 11 and 5 and 10 and 6 just mentally looking at that like eh, I don't know 10 and 6 you know bounce here bounce there you're 8 and 8 that doesn't happen all that often for 11 or 5 teams usually 11 or 5 teams are pretty solid and I think that's the way people are that that you would hear that but mm-hmm. 11 and 6 I could see that for them mm-hmm. I could see them running the ball with Henry now Henry gets dinged up all right all bets are off all bets even are off. with Julio I still think they could win 8 9 games without Derrick Henry but I don't know, man. That defense is still not fixed. They've got some players on it. It's just not. It's just not good at some key spots. And I don't know. I don't like that one. I don't. I. I would say eleven. I just Jacksonville. I think will get to six wins. I think Jacksonville will be six on eleven. They really? Yes. Oh, I'll take the under. I'll go under six all day long. Betting lunch. Okay. We're doing it right now. Okay. All right. Next one, please. Final one. More likely to happen. Well, we have Tampa. Winning multiple championships, right? A couple of Stanley yeah. Cups because the NHL Jeez. season went late last year with COVID. Yeah. You got the World Series. You got the Super Bowl. You got all this stuff happening, right? Man, since Brady showed up. Whew. It's been awesome for them. Holy Anyway, smokes. next city to win at least three championships in three of the four. I'm going to call them the four major sports. Sorry, MLS, for now. All right. All right. Next city to do this, New York or L.A.? Now, keep in mind. New York has a lot of teams. What, nine teams in those leagues, right? Yeah. You got the three NHL, you got two baseball, two basketball, two football. Now, the football teams in New York aren't going to do it, but the Yankees are always a threat, right? Brooklyn You've got is. the Islanders doing what they did, and you have yeah. Brooklyn. In L.A., you have the Dodger possibility. The yeah. Angels, thank you for watching. Uh, you have the Rams maybe flashing up here. The Chargers, no. And then you have the Lakers and maybe the Clippers being a threat. I'm going L.A. You're going L.A. I'm going L.A. Um, in large part because my um, my daughter and my wife are out there, so I'm going L.A. Mm-hmm. I just don't I don't want I don't think the Yankees are any good. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I think Brooklyn's gonna Brooklyn can get there, but there's it's still an experiment with those yeah. three. So I don't know that I'm ready to to buy that completely. But if you told me, okay, L.A., you get the Dodgers, you get the Lakers, and the Rams as a possibility. Yeah, I could go with that, especially now that McVay has Stafford. When you listen, we talked about this about the podcast. Mm-hmm. When McVay talks about Stafford, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it it it's so funny to listen to him because he's a kid in a candy. I know, store. but he hasn't had a fourth quarter it. situation yet that doesn't no, go true. right. So we'll see what that's happens. True. All right, next up, you wanted to uh, talk about a who a little bit more, yep. and also what Sean McDonough had to say about John Gruden in the booth of Monday Night Football what McDonough's doing these days. It's next here on Texans Radio. 
Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. Back to the show that keeps you up to date on the Houston Texans. Texans All Access. Uh, Johnny, getting back to something we were discussing with the general earlier, Charles Amenahu at defensive end. So you have him there, maybe. This is just hypothetical, what we think could happen. You have him there in a base 4-3, at, and you kick him inside in pass rush situations, and then you put the Jacob Martins and Whitney Mercilesses of the world outside <laughs> you when you're rushing the passer, right? Is the, yeah. a, On third down and long or second and obvious long passing down and distance. Is that what you're thinking? Exactly what I'm thinking. That kind of thing. And by the way, how big was Mario Williams? Mario was like 290, I want to say. Okay. I might have that wrong. Does that sound right? Two ninety-five. I want to say it wasn't. Right. A th- it wasn't a solid three. Right. He was a mountain of a man. Though. Right. Right. It's funny to me how you had those two number one overall picks, Mario Williams and Jadeveon Clowney. I think I once had a who's better with you, like who was yeah. better, because Mario put up some numbers, man. He, did. he put up numbers. And Clowney has not put up those kinds of sack numbers, but he does have the TFLs. But I would take. I would take Clowney. It's and I think funny I said, how that I would is. Take Clowney why? I, why is I that? I just felt like Clowney was a more polished football player. Okay, I think that that Mario was was quite the athlete at mm-hmm. probably another fifteen to twenty pounds above Clowney, but Clowney was just a heck of a football player. I think that the injury that he had in twenty fourteen, Clowney. Yeah, I think that impacted him. Now, I do think that Clowney had limitations coming into the league. He was not the 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 bendiest player, you know, a guy that could just bend the edge and get to the quarterback and do those things. Well, he's so tall. But he was just big. so powerful. Yes. He was so powerful. I think he's physically freakier athletically yes. than Mario, yes. right? Yep. But but Mario had a knack for getting the quarterback, though. Mario had sacks. I think guys just have that knack of getting to the quarterback in some way, shape, or form. You know what would have been interesting? Mario doesn't get hurt week five of 2011. Yes, what, that defense finished second anyway. But what does he do that year in Wade Phillips' system in year one in a Wade Phillips brand-new situation exactly. with everybody else? Watt starting to blossom. Right. You still had Brooks Reed and Connor Barwin. I know they played a lot more without Mario uh, in the lineup after he went out week five. That would have been scary. It would have been interesting to see what kind of numbers he puts up Very in that defense. Scary. My point of bringing up Mario is General said, 4-3 defensive end, not playing at 280 pounds. And look, I know the game has changed, even within the last three years. Mm-hmm. I'm always the first to say, you don't go back seven to ten years. You look the last three years because the game has changed that rapidly. But I'm not talking about him being out there full time. I think he is a Jonathan Allen type. I think we're getting a lot more of these guys into the NFL now. Guys that in a 4-3 will play outside on the first down, on a rundown, on what you expect to be a rundown. 
mm-hmm. guys that can play out there, but they can rush if you need to. I saw a couple of them at the Senior Bowl that I really like. Cameron Sample from Tulane. He would rush from the outside, look really good. Then you get a little bit later, he'd go rush against the guard and do really well. So those guys that play outside for a down or maybe two, depending on who you're facing, and then they go inside and they rush against the guard. We saw we saw Charles do that against Kansas City, get one-on-one against the guard in 19 and go get a sack. He gets a lot of his pressure from inside. He does a great job there. But he can't play in there all the time. And I think you put him outside to play against the run, those long arms end up being a factor as he's taking on tackles and tight ends. But I don't want him going against guards inside against the run. So I think he's kind of a combo inside-outside right. guy that you can do some things with. Well, we could do a whole show on ifs. In fact, I think I want to. If this happens, right. you know, then everything's going to be okay. There are a lot of ifs, and if is a huge word in sports. I mean, yes. if is the most popular and needed word in sports talk radio, there's no doubt. So we can apply that to this team in a lot of different ways. And that's going to be it for the show tonight. Tomorrow we'll be back on. I didn't get to my McDonough stuff and all everything else that we wanted to get to tonight, but we'll do that tomorrow because that's what we do. We have another show to go before the weekend hits here. Thank you, Eddie Penn, for producing. Thank you all for listening. Have a great night, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Ashley Home Store is proud to call Houston home. Whether you're living in a midtown high-rise or you're moving into your forever home, we have the options you need and the prices you really want. Visit today and find stylish sofas, dining sets, and more, starting as low as $10 per month. Ashley Home Store has financing options made to fit any budget. Start designing your dream home today. We have 12 Houston-area locations to serve you. Ashley Home Store. This is home. Proud sponsor of the Houston Texans.